Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Hey, Love Tribe. What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in. 
We're happy to have you here. Yes, thank you for being here. Today's topic is pretty close to close to home for Chase and I, and probably most of you as well, because it's pretty common to let one partner or the other potentially rule your emotions in the relationship and not really look out for your needs. Yeah, and we talk about it a lot during today's show with Dana McNeil. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the founder of a group practice called The Relationship Place, located in sunny San Diego, where Sarah and I and little yeah. Stella used to live. That's, That's where actually Stella was where born. we started the podcast. We were yeah. living in San Diego when we started the podcast Jeez, five what? years ago. Crazy. Crazy. So long ago. And now we're in sunny Costa Rica. And this is our home now. So thank you for tuning in, following us wherever we go, because it doesn't really matter. It's still <laughs> going on to wherever you listen to podcasts. And we really appreciate you guys for tuning in, for leaving reviews, for joining the Love Tribe group on Facebook. And we've mentioned it before, but for using our sponsors. You know, a lot of times there's really great offers and that's what helps us continue to do the show. So if you hear something that you like, use our promo code, tell them Chase and Sarah sent you. And that really just helps us continue to do these interviews, to get this great information and... Uh, to give it to you for free. Yeah. And, <laughs> and bring more love and happiness into all of our lives is really what the uh, the goal is here. So thank you guys. We appreciate you. Enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dana. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hi, Sarah. I'm glad to be here. And hi, Chase. Hello, Dana. And we are happy to have you and talk about today's subject of how we can not allow our partner to dictate our world with their emotions. And I don't think Sarah would have brought this up if I hadn't or if I don't right now, but I am certainly the one in the relationship who can be a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And I, depending on what's going on at work and, and so Sarah really does a great job of not letting my emotions dictate how she feels. For the most part, she seems pretty level. And I, I can just see how that can be tough on on Sarah and, and any of our listeners out there who can relate. So I actually want to know from from my place how I can, I don't want to say, you know, manage my emotions better, but we're also going to talk about how a partner on the receiving end cannot let their partner dictate their their personal emotions. So let's dive in and maybe you can give us some examples or talk about how this exhibits itself as a problem. 
Well, just like you gave a perfect example, I have a rough day at work. I come home. I'm still carrying my work mode with me because I haven't detached from that thinking space yet. And I come home and I'm snappy or short with my partner, right? If I'm the one on the receiving end of that, I might do one of two things. I might get defensive because I'm reacting or responding to your attitude. Or number two, I might try to fix you, right? I might try to like joke you out of it or do something really nice or go cook a meal for you or do a chore for you because I want to try to take responsibility for your feelings and try to get everything back into a nice flow. Now, is that something that's okay to do? Um, It can cause problems. Yeah. Yeah, it's, It's not an okay thing to do because I'm trying to fix the other person, right? So in that second half of that example, I want things to be okay. And so even though I'm not kind of aware of it, it's a little bit of a control issue when you think about it, because I don't like how it feels uncomfortable for us. I'm not tolerating it feeling uncomfortable right now. So I feel like if I can rush in and fix your feelings, we can go back to things being calm and I won't have to address what's going on with your attitude or I won't have to talk about how it makes me feel or I won't have to do something to fix my own feelings or respond to what's happening in the room and and just kind of process what's happening for me versus how I can make you feel better so that things can be calm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I feel like I can relate to that pretty Mm -hmm. well. Chase mentioned that I'm pretty level in terms of managing my emotions, but I do find myself Mm -hmm. being very accommodating to his emotions versus sometimes standing up for what I want, even though it may result Mm -hmm. in an argument or a disagreement Mm -hmm. between us. Yeah, I want to keep the peace. I know how this goes. I want to make sure that we don't get into one of those things where we don't talk for several hours or the night's uncomfortable. If I just do this now, if I do this quick fix, which I know maybe if I give it a lot of thought, it's not a good long-term fix. In the short term, it's going to take care of this evening or this moment, so I'm willing to do it. So how can we strike a balance? It seems like the the right way or a better way is somewhere in between completely accommodating your partner and standing up for yourself. Is, is that the middle path uh, that we want to be on maybe? I think the middle path is having some self-awareness, which you obviously do. So I want to give you credit for that, for being aware that, you know what, sometimes I'm not managing my emotions well, and I'm seeing that it can become a problem in the relationship. So what can I do to manage my stuff, right? There's the we stuff and there's the me stuff. So the me stuff, if it's starting to enter into the relationship so often that I'm feeling that it's causing a problem for me, I can't imagine you feel good about it when you feel like you've gotten kind of emotionally dysregulated and she's reacting and it feels like, you know, there's just a lot going on emotionally. Can you take care of some of that yourself? And can Sarah do a better job of acknowledging that there's some emotion that she doesn't like that's happening in the room and either taking herself out of that space or asking for her needs? Can you say that more softly? Can you maybe take the dog for a walk? Can you go, you know, have some time by yourself in your man cave or whatever you do to like, as you're transitioning from work to home, I'm feeling a little bit unsafe and there's a lot of emotions happening right now and I'm having a reaction to it. That's very different than, Hey, let me fix you. From all those examples that you just mentioned to me, it's what stands out is really 
asking clearly and communicating what you need from the other person in the relationship. And I think for a lot of people, that's probably very hard to do just in general is clearly communicating what you want. And if that was the dialogue and if that's what what is done in a relationship, it will probably solve a lot of the other complications that arise due to the moods and the behaviors. Yeah, because it's a shift. Because what we were talking about before is I'm going to fix your feelings and I'm going to be hyper vigilant and hyper focused on you. I'm going to troubleshoot what you need so that we can get you in a better space so that we can be okay. What about what I need? If I spend most of my time taking care of your camp and making sure that your emotional needs are taken care of, I'm so out of touch with my own needs because I'm not giving it any time. I'm also teaching my partner that their needs are the most important, that I'm always going to, I think of this bridge analogy. And when I'm in a relationship, I'm on one side of the bridge and you're on the other side of the bridge. If I'm always walking out 90% of the bridge and saying, hey, come out here, I got you. I'm going to take care of this. Sometimes, not on purpose, not because our partner's a jerk, not because they don't care about us. They're just going to walk out their 10% and just stop and just wait. This is what we do. You're going to come out 90%. You're going to take care of me. I'm coming out my 10%. We set up this pattern. Isn't this what we do? But sometimes I've been doing the 90% because I've been magically trying to do that control thing where I get to control how much I interact in the relationship and that you're going to need me. And so you're not going to be able to soothe your feelings without me. You're going to need me to come that 90%. Then I know that I'm indispensable in your life and you're not going to go away. But if I suddenly decide this 90% feels really overwhelming or I'm emotionally bankrupt myself because I'm not taking care of my own needs and I come out 50% one day and I'm like, you better come this other 50%, that creates a mess, right? Because I didn't ever say that this was a problem before. I wasn't asking for my needs. You were doing your 10%. You were just going with the flow. So it can create problems when I suddenly start to like, that this isn't working, but I'm also not having communication about why it's not working and what I would like to have happen other than I'm just mad about it. So how can we get back to more of it? Of course, everything in relationships is not going to be 50-50 equal energy, equal contribution to the household. But I'm just thinking of Sarah and I's relationship. And Sarah has definitely been the accommodating one, you know, because of her mm-hmm. personality and, and because of mine and just the way we're together. And we've been together mm-hmm. 11 years and we're kind of realizing this now that, that we have this pattern of, you know, Sarah going, let's say 90 and then I'm just going the 10 and mm-hmm. it feels hard. Like, like changing that, yeah. like you said. So how can we, what steps can we take to move in a more uh, productive direction? One of the things that Sarah might want to consider doing, and I'm not telling you that you have to do this, mm-hmm. is you might start having to get comfortable with Chase experiencing discomfort. And that can sometimes be really hard to think about. If he comes home and he's had a rough day, then maybe I let him vent but I don't fix because there's a difference between letting my partner talk to me for 10 or 15 minutes about how the day went. And I find an emotion that I can empathize with. Wow. That sounds like you had a really hard day and, you know, tell me what was the hardest part of it. And I can ask questions 
to help you vent, but I'm not taking responsibility. I'm not fixing you. And if it starts to be too much, if we start to get into a pattern where it's the same things over and over and over again, and I'm starting to feel emotionally run down, I might say, so what do you see as your options? What do you think that you should do? Because I know that you're smart. I know that you've got this. You're successful. What do you see as your options? I'm here to, to listen to you. I'm your best friend. I'll walk through this with you. I'm not going anywhere. It's you and me against the world. That feels like a very different shift. And if at some point it starts to turn like negative, like, hey, I'm used to you fixing me kind of internally and I get aggressive or kind of a little nasty with you or not a little snarky then I can say, hey, this is not feeling good for me. I'm thinking maybe we should take a break and let's come back together before dinner. I'm going to go on a walk or whatever that thing is. It's just a different dynamic. It's letting myself be okay with seeing my partner in distress and not believing that I have to fix that for them. That's a great specific tool that I think we'll be able mm. to apply. Sarah's shaking her head like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I just, it's so hard though, right? Because you just, yeah. the comfortable norm of what you do in a relationship is, is just easier, right? But then to step out of that and really challenge yourself and the relationship, it it's hard, but it's, you yeah, just, you have to do it. It's, it's- it's the short-term pain for the long-term yeah. gain, right? Yeah. I, if I want to get in shape, I got to start going to the gym and knowing that I'm going to be exhausted and my muscles are going to hurt and this is not comfortable and I don't like this. And then I'm, you know, a few months in and I'm like, okay, this is my new normal. So from from my side as the the emotional roller coaster side of this, I really resonated with your statement about looking within. And to me, that's both sides. Like if, if, if you're on the receiving end of the emotion, looking within and, and not being like, how can I accommodate my partner? But like asking yourself, what do you need? And then as the someone on the receiving end of the emotion, but through therapy uh, that Sarah and I have done recently and individual, I realized I need to ask myself, what is my goal in sharing my frustration with Sarah. Maybe it's a relationship mm-hmm. thing and, and I want to talk it out with her. And a lot of times those talks, I mean, it's 50-50. Sometimes we, we come out of it feeling better, but it feels like mm-hmm. too many times we come out of it a little bit more frustrated. And I might feel mm-hmm. a little bit better because I got it off my chest or I talked it out. But really taking the time to pause and be like, do I really even need to have this discussion because it's not about Sarah. It's about Mm -hmm. the way I feel in the relationship. And obviously there's situations where you need to stand up for yourself or you do need to communicate boundaries, whatever. But I find Mm -hmm. more often than not with myself, if I can be mindful and take that pause, a lot of times I just need to sit with my emotions and and Mm -hmm. not share them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what you're kind of speaking about is the physiological response that sometimes happens when we get emotionally overwhelmed. When something's really, really important, it pushes up against one of our core ethics or values or beliefs is that our body goes into fight or flight or freeze. I'm sure you've heard of that phrase before, right? And that is a biological function that's happening inside of us. And our heart rate goes over 100 beats per minute. 
our pulse starts racing, you know, we start sweating, we, we, we can't think. And because what happens is when I'm having that physiological overwhelm, there's parts of my body that shut down. I can't have everything functioning all at once. And what happens is my brain will actually kind of go offline, right? It's my prefrontal cortex stops helping me make good decisions. And so when I can sense that, when I can't think or things feel fuzzy or I just feel the emotion so much and I can't really even process how I might do math, that is a sign from your body that says, hey, Chase, you need to take a break. You need to take a minimum of a 20-minute break, but no more than 24 hours, right? Because if I'm frustrated at my partner or I'm frustrated at a situation, I don't want to just forget about it and shove it aside until it like ramps up again or shows up again. What it means is I need to give myself a break so that my brain can come back online and I can start using those great cognitive skills and tools that I'm learning in therapy to talk to my partner or talk to the person that's upsetting me. So I think that's a good insight that you have that it's like, I need to probably just get away from this for a minute, but I also have to set up rules that I want to let, maybe if it's Sarah that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with, that I say, and I am going to come back because I don't want to trigger something in my partner that feels like I'm abandoning them or that we're not ever going to get this resolved or that we're not going to talk about it. It's just that I love you so much and I realize I'm not in a good space right now to like do anything that feels productive. So I'm going to go take a break so that I can get myself back together and I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about this. It's funny because here we are, we have a relationship advice podcast. We don't give the advice, but we get a lot. And I feel like in the last five years, we've gotten a lot of amazing tools and it's helped our relationship a lot. But (laughs) all (laughs) that information and maybe our listeners out there who are longtime listeners, or if you're just joining us, you might find that it's like you have these insights and there's a, a, a guest we're interviewing, or if you're listening and it's like, oh, and, and you want to apply that or you want to improve the relationship. And at least I've found that it can be detrimental. So it's funny. We talk about communication and how important it is, and it is for sure. But at least personally, mm-hmm. I tend to over-communicate, over-analyze, and maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but really being conscious of that and, and taking a step back sometimes and asking yourself, and I'm saying this for me, like, what is, mm-hmm. what is my goal with mm-hmm. this communication? Is this about Sarah and the way she's acting, or is it about me? And Obviously, in relationship, a lot of times you feel like it's the other person, but a lot of times I found it's actually me that needs to change my mindset, has nothing to do with Sarah, and and but but if if I'm not being if I'm not taking that twenty minute twenty four hour break, sometimes it just comes out and and then and then we mm-hmm. kind of go downhill from there. Even though mm-hmm. my intentions were good, so I'm sharing this personally, and and maybe our listeners can relate um, because it, it 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 is funny having <laughs> a relationship advice podcast, and and it seems like yeah, you need a, a lot of focus there, and and put these tools into practice, and. Sometimes it can almost be detrimental. But first, we want to take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Zola. 
Can you guess what the most stressful thing I experienced when we were planning our wedding was? What? Me? Asking for different color flowers? Asking too many questions? No. Not feeling organized or having a place, central place, where I can store and locate all of our important details of our wedding. Unfortunately, Zola was not around when we got married, but now it is. So all you engaged couples out there need to check out Zola. Zola makes wedding planning so much easier and less stressful with their wedding websites, registry, invites, and guest list manager all in one place. Their free wedding websites offer hundreds of gorgeous designs and can be created in minutes. And just a few features I think are awesome are the FAQ section, online RSVP page, and a place where your guests can shop your registry right on your site. Zola is the highest rated registry of all time, and it's pretty clear why. You can register for gifts, experiences, and honey funds, which we both love. You can add gifts from other stores and sync existing registries. And there are amazing benefits for your guests like free shipping and returns, price matching, group gifting, which is such a cool idea, and a 20% off post-wedding discount. Zola also offers beautiful and affordable invites and paper. You can shop all your wedding paper needs on Zola from your save the dates to invites and thank yous. And they'll help you collect addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager. Zola has helped 1 million couples get married and they'll help you too. Go to Zola.com slash I do today and use the promo code SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. You can also get a free personalized paper sample before you purchase. That's 50% off save the dates at Zola.com slash I do and use the promo code SAVE50. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So it's a new year and many of you may have a resolution to improve your personal life or your relationships and you want to go to therapy, but you just can't make it to the therapist's office. And Sarah and I know that that sometimes that can just be hard. You're busy, Mm -hmm. but you want to go. But now there really is no excuse with amazing offerings from BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can communicate with your licensed therapist via text, chat, phone, and video. You can choose what option is best for you. And there are over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in a wide range of areas, including relationships, anxiety, stress, anger, trauma, and many more. And of course, anything you share is confidential. And if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. Finding that perfect fit is important. So feel confident that you can find the right one for you. And BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. And best of all, it is truly an affordable option. Our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code I do. So get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash I do and simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash I do to get 10% off your first month. I think though that what you're kind of talking about is an important piece though that don't like 
stay and overanalyze it too much and analyze it and analyze it and analyze it and analyze it. Let yourself feel your feeling and realize that the feelings are information, right? If I'm feeling frustrated, if I'm feeling not heard, if I'm feeling unappreciated, those are pieces of information, right? I am feeling this maybe not because I need to set a healthy boundary, but maybe I need to ask for something. Maybe I need to get in touch with that need. We talked about earlier that it's really hard to ask for my needs. And what happens is that sometimes when I'm not asking for my needs, it comes out as criticism. But criticism is really that I have an unmet need. And so if I can get into the habit of like, what is this emotion stemming from? What is it that I need? How can I ask for what I need knowing that this person loves me and that they want to make me happy, that they are my best friend, that they are looking to make my life easier and more wonderful? I have to figure out what I want. Stop thinking that my partner is going to read my mind and start listening to that emotion and figure out what is behind that, that anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. That means that there's a vulnerability or some kind of worry that's happening first. Can I get in touch with that? And can I trust my partner enough to be vulnerable to ask for what that need is? Could you give us some tips for listeners that are like that? And that's kind of like me in this situation. So besides self-awareness and really looking within to think about what your needs are, are there any specific exercises or tools that someone could use to work on this? To figure out what your needs are or yeah. to ask for them. Well, I guess a little bit of both. I mean, especially uh-huh. if somebody is maybe they're a little bit more of an introvert personality wise. Mm-hmm. And so it, it mm-hmm. makes them feel uncomfortable. So maybe some exercises for both of those areas. Yeah. So one of the ways that we can ask for our needs is we can, and I'm sure you guys heard this before because you hang out with therapists a lot, but we use I statements, right? Why do we therapists love to ask our clients to use I statements? Because it's easier to hear, right? It's Mm -hmm. very different to say you. If I say you never take out the trash, Chase is already like flinching away and like getting ready for like something to come at him versus I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. Sometimes I feel unappreciated when I come home and I see that the trash hasn't been taken out, right? That is my need. But I'm also talking about why it's so important to me, how I feel about seeing the trash not taken out, what emotions that it's bringing up for me. I'm talking about behaviors. I'm not talking about your character. I'm not putting you down. I'm not telling you that you're a bad person. I'm saying I'm having an emotional reaction to this chore not being taken care of. And so I can't just stop there. I have to tell my partner, what is it that I'm looking for? I can't just say I'm, you know, I am freaked out by trash. I have to say it would mean a lot to me if when I texted you and I'm on the way home from work, if you could take out the trash. Why does it mean so much to me? I want to tell my partner that too, because then when I get home, the kitchen is clean. I feel relaxed. I feel like we can settle in and have dinner together and just have a nice evening without me feeling anxious. Is that something you'd be willing to do? I want to check in with my partner and see if that's something that they would be willing to do, knowing that my partner doesn't ever have to do anything for me. They're not required to because we're in a relationship, but I'm asking them to do that as a favor for me so that I can help get one of my needs met. And so if I'm not in the habit of asking for my needs, that's kind of a nice format to do it 
because it's requiring both of those exercises that we talked about. I have to tap in to the emotion, what's behind the emotion, what I would like to have happen that would help ease my emotion. And I have to start verbalizing for myself, why would it mean so much to me if my partner would be willing to do that? But it's also my sales technique to them because they're seeing how they can make my life better if they would be willing to do this act of love for me. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels great. Good. And I, I love that clarification because I kind of got off on a tangent about like not sharing. I didn't want that to be the idea. That's not what I was saying. And so, yeah, this clarifies mm-hmm. it of like, yes, share, but maybe figure out what you need, like you, like you're saying. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard work and to, to take that pause and to understand yeah. like what it is that you really need. And I almost don't, what I'm realizing is it's like not what I need from Sarah. It's more like how she can support me in, in us, like the relationship as the third entity, as opposed to how can she make me happy because she's not responsible for my happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also have to be willing that when you ask for that thing from her, that sometimes the answer is going to be no. And that can sometimes be hard because if I'm not used to asking for my needs or I'm not used to like mustering up the courage to even admit that I have them, then hearing no can like set me off again. What what do you mean? I got up all the courage to ask for this need. How dare you say no? I can say no because I may not be able to do that. And it's not because my partner doesn't love me that they may not be able to do that need. But by asking the way that we just talked about, you're more likely to get your partner to feel empathy for you and to maybe do something that feels like a compromise, which is then a win for both of us. But if I don't phrase it in a way where my partner feels like they have options, then we're setting up a slippery slope where you ask for your needs and I have to acquiesce and come to 90% across the bridge or we're not going to be okay. Let's say Chase comes to me. I, I say no and I get a backlash from him, a bit of an attitude because, you know, I'm not just giving in to what is normally the events that happen in like an argument or a discussion. What would be the best way for me to react in that situation if let's say he's giving me, you know, attitude or the cold shoulder? And normally I would want to just try and fix it, but what would be mm-hmm. the the best way to go about it? So there's a couple of different ways that I might go about it depending on how it was presented and and maybe my own mental state at that time, right? If I'm starting to feel physiologically overwhelmed and I know that I might respond in a defensive way and that's just going to set us off, then I might realize that either I need to take a break or I need to address what was said. I know that you didn't mean to sound harsh, but right now that was really hard for me to hear. Could you say that in a different way? Sometimes I'm not that benevolent. Sometimes I'm not that like that cool. You know, I'm not always a therapist in every minute. So I might also have to realize I have my own triggers going on today and I'm not able to do this right now. I might need to take a break as well. So giving yourself the grace of saying what you need in that moment or pointing out the behavior 
that you're reacting to, not his character, not telling them that he's not a good person, the behavior. So when I heard you say these words, and I might actually even repeat the words, that really triggered something in me. And I'm feeling a little unsafe right now. And I'm feeling a little unheard. And I'm feeling as I really don't know how to move forward with you because it, it's really hard for me to be able to say no and you not accept it. So is there something that we can do differently right now? Or do we need to take a break? And can we come back and talk about it? This is tough stuff. <laughs> it is. I, I love it. And, and it, it's just, it's a constant practice and, and really putting these tools into play. And Sarah and I know them and in the moment, it's another thing. Sometimes all this stuff goes out the door. So it's good to hear again. And I wanted to uh, share, are you familiar with uh, Tara Brock and her uh, RAIN exercise? I'm familiar with her, but not the RAIN exercise. Tell me about it. I just found this and because this is something I'm really trying to work on is just not overly being overly bearing with Sarah, like with my emotions and also having self-compassion because I think that's a component of this, a huge component is, is self-love for having these feelings. Yeah, because you're really hard on yourself, I've noticed. you yeah. made <laughs> lots of comments about how you're not emotionally regulated and that it just, I hear that you're passionate and I hear that you're more easily emotionally impacted by the world that you exist in than Sarah is, but that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Yes. Yes. And that's what I'm trying to <laughs> get better at for sure. And mm -hmm. I appreciate you noticing And and Tara Brock, I mean, it's all her, the work. She's got a new book coming out and it's about mindfulness and compassion. And she has mm -hmm. this acronym RAIN and it's recognize what is happening. Like when you have a thought, recognize it. Hmm. And then okay. the A is allow the experience to be there just as it is, you know, not judging it, not judging yourself. And then the I is investigate with interest and care. So maybe, you know, hmm. looking more into why am I feeling that I need this from my partner or why, how did that come up? But not judging. And, and then the last, the N is nurture with self-compassion. And to me, that's one of the, it's all important, but that's super yeah. important is, is not judging it, allowing those feelings and, and having self-compassion for yourself at the end. So mm -hmm. I just really, in the last week, I discovered it and it's rain. It's super easy. And I find myself... Mm -hmm. Like I'm going on a walk and, and these, a thought comes up and maybe it's, it's negative or, and, and maybe a instinct in the past would be to judge myself or try to suppress it. And then instead going through these steps, um, and it, it's super valuable. You have a very beautiful soul. I can tell that you really beat yourself up and you're very mindful of how your emotions and behaviors impact Sarah. Thank you. He's a good husband and a good person, and I love him <laughs> so much. You are both entitled to your first reaction. It, that's called being human. That's having off moments. That's having the world pull the rug out from underneath us when we weren't expecting it. It's when I have a chance to collect myself and respond that really says everything about my character, right? And the fact that you both are willing to come back and do what we call repair attempts in my world 
means I'm coming back and saying, hey, that was not my best moment. I didn't really handle myself the way that I'd like. That wasn't fair to you. I want to work on this to make it better. That says everything about the success of your relationship. That speaks to why you've been together for seven years. Because you're mindful of how your behaviors impact your partner. You let your partner have influence on you. You're willing to take responsibility when you didn't do the things that you would like to have done. That is far more important to a partner than always being perfect mindfulness every day and not ever saying anything wrong or upsetting. You're a human being. Yeah, it's important to remember. And it's 11 years, which is crazy. It just, <laughs> oh, 11. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I heard seven. Whoa, no. you just look at You guys are rock stars. <laughs> no, I say it's crazy because it's just like... Feels like yesterday. I know. It's so insane. I just told Sarah, I said, we've been together for a third of each other's lives almost. Like, Wow. Which is really... Congratulations. <laughs> so you should be telling us. What's the secret for your? <laughs> I think I think what you just said, and, yeah. and is is that it's not perfect, and the ability to to repair and and to then come back together. I yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, but that that really is an important thing to remember because maybe we sometimes think you know it should be a different way, or we shouldn't be arguing this much, or whatever, and. Yeah, we're not perfect and relationships aren't. And I think that's the beauty of it is it gives us a chance to to recognize our our patterns and 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 then mm. to work on them through that reflection and and if we can do that together it it can be a beautiful thing. And I want to normalize for you that conflict is supposed to happen. If you're doing all this work so that you can avoid having conflict, I would I would hope that maybe you would might reassess the goal because the goal is not to not have conflict that's going to happen regardless of how long you guys have been together you are not the same people as I'm hearing you don't think the same way about the world you didn't have the same experiences you didn't have the same parents growing up you don't view life the same way that's a perfect storm for conflict it's what we do when we find ourselves there that says everything about the success of our relationship and what I'm hearing from the two of you is that We are doing the things that we want to do when we find ourselves in conflict. Trying to avoid it happening is probably not going to be a realistic goal for you. Absolutely. And and I don't think we're we're not doing that, but certainly people, I can see how that can be a pattern. I'm definitely diving right into it and and, (laughs) and working to to repair. And so is Sarah. Yeah, we both are. uh, and thanks in large part to a lot of the work that people like yourself uh, are doing. And we just have the privilege mm-hmm. to, to be able to talk to you and share with our listeners. And, and we really are grateful for that, Dana. And mm-hmm. yeah, you've given us a lot of great tools, a lot of great reminders today. And we'd like to just wrap up with having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and maybe there's something you want to leave them with and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, no, I just actually want to thank you guys for modeling for the rest of us what healthy communication can look like and for being willing to be vulnerable. This is not easy stuff. This is really putting myself out there for somebody to judge me or to say, oh my gosh, look at these two. You guys are are doing a gift. And I really want to thank you for what you're doing because none of us 
have modeling for healthy communication. We don't take a class in high school. We don't have like a seminar when we start a new job. And so sometimes we're just learning it by people being brave like you are and letting us see what it looks like in the privacy of a real home. And I really want to thank you for giving that gift to your audience because that's meaningful. Well, thank well, you. Well, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, we're just... You're, you're <laughs> welcome. And I was grateful to get to be a little part of it. So yeah, I have a practice in San Diego. We have a website. It's SD, so short for San Diego, sdrelationshipplace.com. And we're on Facebook and social media, all that stuff. But yeah, I, this has been a real treat. And you guys have been delightful and a very lovely way to spend my afternoon. Well, thank you. And we'll have the links to your website on the show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And again, thank you so much and hope you're enjoying the nice San Diego weather. Hopefully it's, it's nice there. I am and it is. And that's why I live yes. here. <laughs> Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam. And you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com